The following contains content that is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. The Devil and Mrs. Tremblay Written by Craig Moody Narrated by Jessica Caruso Eight. Edgar's brother Roy called a week later. Roy was working highway construction for the federal government. He was paving major roadways all throughout the American West. He could get Edgar a job, but it would take some time, at least until the summer. Edgar was excited and started making plans and arrangements. He had Wilbur Bartholomew over for supper one night, offering him the opportunity to arrange the sale of our farm and land. Wilbur had some sobering realities to offer in return. We're in a depression, Edgar, he reminded my husband. The country still ain't recovered from the crash. Crops just ain't growing and producing. You know this yourself. Everything is selling for half or less that. How do you expect to sell some other poor soul what ain't even feeding you? People all over this area is just packing up and heading out. They just abandoning everything they own and taking only what they can carry. The drought is causing all sorts of issues throughout the plains. Giant dust storms are falling all over towns like something out of the book of Revelations. Folks are thinking Armageddon is coming. My heart jolted. Edgar looked over at me, assuming my reaction. I just stared back at him, my eyes glassing over with static tears. The men continued to argue about the potential, or lack thereof, of a possible real estate sale. I went upstairs to lie down. A half hour or so later, Wilbur had left, and Edgar made his way upstairs. Quietly, he slipped beside me under the heavy blankets. Don't go letting any of that trouble your mind. He spoke softly, his face just inches from the back of my head. There ain't nothing out there, Edith. I promise you that. I didn't respond. I simply lay still, hardly breathing. And even if there was, even the devil himself, I would be right here to protect you. Oh, really? I finally replied. From where? Downstairs on the sofa? Edgar hesitated before speaking further. Starting tonight, I'll be back in this bed by your side, where I belong. I closed my eyes as he kissed my hair and pulled me close. I could feel his manhood react as he pressed himself against my backside. It had been months since he'd been able to perform. I didn't say anything as he maneuvered our clothing and slipped himself inside me. We made love for the first time in countless weeks. And for the first and only time that year, I climaxed alongside my husband. I had begun to relish the idea of leaving the farm. Living anywhere besides Oklahoma seemed so foreign and exotic to me.
Of course, naturally, I envied my sister Beverly for having escaped country life. I envied her even more for having Mama. As strained as my relationship was with my mother, I still loved and needed her. Her absence in my life was a constant void I could never possibly fill, even though I did try. Edgar was slowly accepting the reality that we would more than likely be unable to sell the farm. The evening radio news broadcast spoke of the ongoing effects of the Depression. People were abandoning everything and moving to wherever they thought they could find work. Wilbo was right. This was not the time to sell. If we wanted to move, we would simply have to walk away from everything we had built over nearly two decades. I could see how much this idea pained Edgar. This land had been nurtured by the sweat of his brow and the blood of his veins. To just walk away from it all would be like leaving your own child to starve and perish. Still, according to Edgar, that is exactly what would happen to the unborn baby if we didn't leave. My belly had grown so big I found it impossible to do most anything around the house. Edgar would fix my meals and bring them upstairs to me. Some days I could hardly walk at all. My feet were so swollen it was painful to stand on them for more than a few minutes at a time. I was becoming more and more secluded within my own home. I found it difficult to sleep. Every time I would drift, the baby would move, kicking me so hard I would jolt awake. During the long nights when slumber escaped me, I was tempted to look out the window, but I resisted. I was still haunted by what I had seen the last time. Edgar and I were getting along well. I found myself more attracted to him than ever. Even with my enormous belly, we would find ways to make love, maneuvering our bodies into positions we had never even imagined before, much less attempted. I wasn't sure if it was my hormones, boredom, or true desire for my husband, but I felt nearly unable to contain my sexual urges and appetite. I no longer thought of Joe, yet his image would sometimes cross my mind while I was being intimate with Edgar. Trying hard to erase him from my memory, I would always push the image from my brain. But it would always be replaced by a flashback of the figure. Tall, looming, fire-red eyes. I found myself missing Molly. I could tell Edgar Miss Bill, but we never spoke of them. Secretly, I wished one of them would surprise us by paying a visit, but the tension, anger, and regret between us would be difficult to simply overlook and overcome. Instead, Edgar and I were more isolated than ever. The spring was fast approaching, and Edgar had still not secured a reliable farmhand. His tobacco use increased. He would lie awake for hours alongside me. Together, in silence, we stared at the ceiling, both lost in a universe of fear and dread. I dreaded the arrival of the baby. Edgar had Madison Jenkins' telephone number next to the telephone, ready to make the call as soon as I went into labor. I feared that day. I was terrified of it. 
terrified of the imagined pain and the bodily trauma, but most of all, terrified of the responsibility of being a mother. I awoke one night, just minutes after I had finally managed to fall asleep, to the sound of Joe's voice. It was clear and audible all throughout the damp house. I lay awake for several minutes just listening, assuming the sound had only been part of a dream, but then I heard it again, plain and loud. I looked over at Edgar. He was asleep. I could hear him snoring softly. Mrs. Tremblay? I heard Joe's voice say clearly. It sounded like he was only just beyond the bedroom door. In the darkness, I squinted to see. I could see the door. It was partially open. My heart was pounding as I feared Joe actually might be standing just on the other side, peering into the room as I had imagined him doing so long ago while he still lived under our roof. Edith, the voice called. I sat up. This wasn't a dream. There was someone in the house. There was no denying the reality. I thought about waking Edgar. I looked toward the window to see the shotgun propped against the wall in the same place it had been for weeks. Edgar had never put it back under the bed. My eyes slowly focused. In the dark... I could see faint light from the hallway trickling in through the space between the door frame and the door. It was then I saw Joe, his face clear, his dark hair glistening in the dim light. Joe, I whispered, absolutely terrified. What are you doing here? I came for you, Miss Trembler. He replied, his voice clear and loud. He did not attempt to whisper. Please come with me. I need you. I shook my head in disbelief. I looked at Edgar. He was still sound asleep. Go away, Joe. I hissed in the dark. Just leave us alone. That's my baby in you, and you know it. He responded, his eyes suddenly brighter. In the darkness, his eyes looked odd. I couldn't see any white. They looked solid black, but I assumed that was only due to the distance and lack of light. Just leave us be, I said in a loud whisper. Just go away. I could see Joe smile, his entire face morphing with the pull of his grin. Then... To my absolute disbelief and horror, his feet lifted off the floor. I could see his entire body, plain as day, just hover into the room. The door didn't flinch. He simply materialized through it. Within seconds, he was hovering at the end of the bed. Come with me, Mrs. Trembley, he said slowly. And precisely. I need you. I had to be dreaming. I just had to be. There was no way I was actually seeing what my eyes were showing me. There was just no way. 
I closed my eyes and took a deep breath. I assured myself that when I opened my eyes, nothing would be there. Joe would not be floating at the end of our bed. I promised myself that when I opened my eyes, I would be fully awake, and any lingering dream would be cleared from my brain. I opened my eyes. There, as real as my pounding heart, was the figure, massive, standing at the foot of the bed. I could see it so clearly now, every single detail. The horns curled and round like a ram's touched the ceiling. The naked torso was wide and plump, the legs covered with fur. The eyes first shadowed and black suddenly glowed red, a heat radiating from them. I could feel fire. Come. It spoke. Its voice deafening and deep, sinister and growling like an endless thunder. I felt my head go weak. I felt faint. I had never been so consumed by sheer terror. I closed my eyes, unlocking my ability to vocalize, and I screamed so full and deep it completely stripped my vocal cords of sound. I would not be able to speak again for days. I don't really recall the days that followed. I couldn't speak. My voice had been completely deprived of all sound. My throat ached and was raw. I must have scared Edgar something terrible because the next day Dr. Johnson was there. I do remember that. He asked me a bunch of questions. I don't know how or what I replied. I just know he sedated me, allowing me the escape of sleep for nearly a day and a half. By the third day, I was able to use my voice again, so I attempted to describe to Edgar what I had seen. I just want you to rest, he replied once I had concluded my terrifying tale. Dr. Johnson left these pills for you. You need to take him as he directed. I knew Edgar didn't believe me. How could he? I was telling tales of a floating Joe and a speaking devil. I wouldn't have believed me either had I not been witness to it. I knew what I saw had been real. I just knew it. I hadn't been asleep. It wasn't a dream, and I wasn't hallucinating. Everything had been as real as the air I was currently breathing. Still, there was nothing for me to do but move forward. With Edgar's help, I was able to walk from the bed to the kitchen. Dr. Johnson had left an array of medicine. One of the pills seemed to help with my swelling. It no longer pained me to stand on my feet. Dr. Johnson had accepted Edgar's payment of tobacco. We didn't have any money to spare on his visit. The doctor was used to accepting farm goods as payment, especially in recent years. Slowly the days passed and diluted my memory of the sheer terror I had witnessed and felt. One of Dr. Johnson's pills helped me sleep, so I took them faithfully. The last thing I wanted was to be awake alone at night, vulnerable in the dark to another encounter. The best distraction possible came a week or so later. 
Edgar's brother Roy called, informing Edgar that he would indeed have a position for him on the highway pavement team at the start of June. We would have to move to New Mexico, a place as alien to me as the moon, but not only did the job pay well, but it also included government benefits. I delighted in Edgar's relief. I could almost see the burden lift from him. It was a welcome escape to listen to him make plans for our future. Imagine what's going to be like to live among cactuses and such, he laughed. I ain't never seen a damn cactus in my life, just in pictures. It's going to be like living on Mars. I looked forward to simply escaping this farm. The last year or so had left a dark shadow over what was once my safe and comfortable home. Memories of Joe, adultery, visions, the devil. I couldn't wait to be out of there. Wilbur Bartholomew came for supper again. Just as before, he confirmed to Edgar that the prospect of selling our property was slim to none. Edgar mentally prepared himself to walk away from everything we knew and owned. It killed me to see him force himself to accept this agony dealt by the cruel hands of fate. We would have no other choice. Like so many others in our area, a clean-cut escape was our only hope for a prosperous future. Dr. Johnson phoned a day or so later. I listened in the background as Edgar spoke with him. He was quiet after the call, a bit evasive. Finally, I pressured him to tell me what was said. It's twins, Edith, he sighed. Dr. Johnson heard two heartbeats when he examined you a few weeks ago. He didn't want to say anything then due to the stress you were under. We were both under at the time. But he's certain it's twins. I felt my head spin. I didn't know how to process this information. I was still coming to terms with having just one baby. How was I ever going to digest the idea of having two? I didn't say much. I simply nodded and cracked a half smile. Edgar appeared worried and nervous. I think he was afraid of how I would react to this bombshell information. To his surprise, I was relatively calm and quiet about it. So we continued to chat for hours about what our life would be like once we left the farm and made it to New Mexico. I could tell Edgar was more excited than anything. The security and comfort of knowing he would be employed by the government, no less, provided him a peace and serenity he hadn't been able to secure for the last several years. I lay awake that night, terrified at the concept of having two infants at one time. I was afraid of the physical pain that the birth would cause, two babies tearing through my flesh, not to mention the difficulty two hungry mouths would cost us. Sure, Edgar had a promise of a stable job, but until we were actually there and he was physically working for that paycheck, everything remained nothing more than a dream and hope for tomorrow. Hi, I'm Craig Moody, and I want to thank you for listening to Craig Moody's Novel Bites. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please like, follow, 
and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the latest episodes are released. Print and digital editions of my previous titles are available through all major retailers. For more information or for links to my social media, please visit craig-moody.com. Until next time.